You're listening to the Silicon Valley Podcast. We sit down with Juan Escobar, who's head of intelligence solutions at DiffBot. DiffBot is a world-class group of AI engineers building a universal database of structured information to provide knowledge as a service to all intelligent applications, whether you are building an, an app that uses web content, an enterprise business application, or a smart robotic assistant, they've got you covered. On today's show, we talk about how do most people do data research today? How can one ensure quality of data? How quickly could a new data set disrupt a business or a market? How does one create a data-driven culture at their company? And how does a company know that they are analyzing the wrong data? This and much more on today's episode of the Silicon Valley Podcast. Now let's begin. Enjoy. Welcome to the Silicon Valley Podcast with your host, Sean Flynn, who interviews famous entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and leaders in tech. Learn their secrets and see tomorrow's world today. Now, I'm super excited for today's episode. I'm here with Juan Escobar. Juan was just introduced to me by Yvonne at ACG, Associate of Corporate Growth. Uh, many people have heard them mention on this podcast in the past. Uh, mainly because at Intergrowth, their big convention. If you look at the magazine there on page 49, you'll see a familiar face, my myself, not not to brag, in my normal day roles of mid-market investment banker. But with that, I've gotten to meet so many great people at ACG. Juan is one of them. So Juan, welcome today on to the Silicon Valley podcast. And I just want to start off by asking, okay, you've been in Silicon Valley your whole life or, or most of your life, at least the last 20 years. How have you seen Silicon Valley change over that time? What was kind of your role, your career path before we really get into today's topic of data, what we should know about data, how data's revolutionized everything, just the ins and outs of data. But before that, give us an update on, well, your career and how you were using data throughout that whole journey. Yeah, thanks, Sean. And yeah, thanks to ACG too, because that's obviously the the bridge that connected us. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, so first of all, yes, I'm a Silicon Valley native. Uh, one of the few that kind of stuck around here to build their career in tech. You know, I've spent the last, you know, 15 plus years working in the tech space, companies from, you know, Google to LinkedIn to others. And yeah, it's been a real journey because I think other than just building my career in the space, what's been interesting is to see, yeah, just general technology that we use every day really change over time. I can barely remember what it was like not having a cell phone or having the internet to use high school and, and you know, just college days and all that so just like tech i feel like data and in, in that whole space has really kind of evolved especially over the last you know 10 years and so um yeah it's been really a journey just kind of seeing what um has really evolved in the tech space in general but then also just how ai and data are really converging today um just how they're changing the landscape not just in the consumer space but also in the business space right in the real kind of enterprise and mid-market and all other types of companies um, throughout the world. You've been here for this time. How has your career changed from when you had your first first job to mm. kind of now? What was that journey like? Let's dive a little bit deeper. Yeah. So I started off at uh, one of the biggest software companies uh, here in Silicon Valley um, right out of college. Uh, it was probably the worst thing I could have done right out of college because it's one of those companies that gives you free filet mignon and free ice cream and you know all these great perks 
And it's all, it's just like continuation of college, you know, it's like all these things that you really can distract you. But it was, uh, it was a fun time. And uh, at this company, I worked in kind of like the HR recruiting research side. Um, and one of our biggest projects that we were working on was mapping out all the talent in the world that this company cared about, wanted to hire, wanted to go out and try to acquire to join the company. And so I was part of these research teams that would literally research all this information about individuals from all over the web. And uh, we were using all types of sources and and uh, databases of information to get all this information. But it was literally just training a bunch of people to become the best stalkers in the world online manually. So it was a pretty interesting experience because that was, again, right out of college. And I think, you know, indirectly, I really realized like the true value of information, right? When you are able to not just get some information to use, but organize in so many ways and scale the way you can get information, that changes everything. So we were literally working on building this huge organizational chart of all the great talent in the world. Then eventually all this information would serve the HR and recruiting teams at this company. And so anyways, that was kind of my first exposure in the corporate world. And then question on that, how much data was there at that time on individuals? I mean, were you able to really kind of find out who was who? Because this was so long ago. I I mean, most people, this was MySpace or even before MySpace, I'm guessing. So how much data was there out there on everyone? Yeah, it was a lot. I mean, and, and to this day, obviously, you know, I think if you really do some digging and you know how to dig, it, you can get a lot of information that, again, you didn't know was out there. Nowadays, for anything to be private, you just can't let it be on the internet, right? So that's that. It, it was really a lot of information, you know, from person's uh, social media handles to, you know, websites to all other types of personal information. Obviously related to like, hey, we just need to reach out to you to tell you about a job. But uh, but again, information that was holistically telling you when you put it all together in the right way, hey, this is who a person is or what they do. And how about now? How much information is out there on everyone today? Yeah, there's a ton. There's a ton. I mean, I think you just have to kind of really think about how much data is being collect- uh, created every day, right? Not just certain types of data, but all kinds of data. I mean, it's it's tremendous, right? The world, the the world's largest database truly is the internet, right? And so when you think about all the information that's out there, all the other repercussions of all this data being out there, it's it's amazing, right? It's amazing on both good and bad sides. But but I think that if you think about how it impacts, especially the work world, right, uh, the business world, it makes it even more amazing that people are not aware. Right of the all the things they can do with data, how it impacts what uh, how they do their work. Right, if you think about people who work in data science, data engineering, right, um, data analytics, all these things, and how decisions are made at companies, right, with information, and yet they don't fully know how they can tap into the vast largest database in the world, which is the internet. It's fascinating, right, that there is so much lack of education sometimes in the market. So. Yeah. I mean, the short answer is there's a lot. It's just a matter of how it impacts people and how it impacts the markets that we work in. Well, even with that, I would say most people don't quite understand data, just that word. It's a a buzzword to many. So -hmm. can you kind of tell us more, like, what is data? What does that comprise of and how can it be utilized? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, it's kind of the eye of the beholder. Data takes many forms, right? Obviously, I think when you think about data as it's seen, let's say, in the business world, in the business world, it's certainly a mix of internal or private information that companies are generating themselves, maybe from their customers or from other processes that they run. 
And then you also have from the other side, really the external. External data, again, maybe coming from the web or other third-party sources. And information can really mostly be valuable, especially in the context of, say, getting information about clients, right, or customers, or information about prospects. And again, that could be companies, right, organizations around the world. It can be uh, information about individuals you want to be able to understand better or to reach out to. Information about activity, information about, you know, different things. So data, data, I think, depending on the context, really defines what value it has and, uh, and, and what's most meaningful about it to the users of it. Because at the end of the day, everybody needs data. It's just a matter of what specific kinds and for what specific purposes. Okay, what about for the purposes of maybe the investment banker? Like, What data should they be looking for? How can they use it? Or maybe from the side of the entrepreneur? Mm, good question. Yeah, I think it's really, again, going back to cases, right? At least that I've seen in my experience. When you think about the financial world, there's many different uh, elements like or, or types of um, decisions that are trying to be made. Like, let's say, okay, I'm an investor and I want to go find my next investment. Who do I next want to invest in, whether it's an individual or a company? If you're a bank, maybe you're trying to assess, do you actually approve a loan maybe for a merchant? So maybe you have to decide or verify or investigate, okay, this bank is this merchant a real merchant? Um, is this merchant connected to any fraudulent activity? Is this how do I classify this merchant? What kind of business are they in? These are all examples where data, having the right data, having the right way to apply data makes a big difference in terms of where that data can make the most impact, et cetera. In the case of the entrepreneur, as you asked earlier, it's really about, you know, most cases, research, let's say about, okay, where do I, where do I start a business, right? What kind of business do I get into? Do I, do I have enough information to know that I'm going to launch my product at the right time to the right people for them to adopt it. Those are the types of things that I think data is needed for to make those types of decisions, um, which are critical because if you're investing your own money or you're trying to raise a seed round or a series A round, right, it's certainly going to depend on what you're trying to accomplish that then you're going to need to have the right data at the right time to make those kinds of decisions. Going from the side of the entrepreneur, I would think that it would be very difficult or hard to come by this data or very expensive. And maybe a, a founder or startup just doesn't have the resources that a Fortune 100, Fortune 500 might have. Could I say that's correct, that it's expensive and difficult to get, or is this not true? Um, I think it's, um, again, I hate to say it, but it kind of depends. I mean, I think that certainly there's many ways to get data for free or uh, sometimes uh, at least at a low cost. And again, it depends on what's uh, being done with it, right? If you're trying to make a decision or research something, obviously, I think like most of the world, we can go to Google and run searches and maybe get some some of our answers uh, from just a public free search like that. In many cases, it's maybe more evolved, right, where you have to get like a or you want to get like maybe like a market research uh, report level type of analysis done, or you want to be able to um, get data that you're going to have to depend on for, let's say, a product you're building. Those are cases where you certainly have to start investing more of your own money into a certain process to be able to get that information. A lot of entrepreneurs, especially, let's say, in the case of them building a product that needs data, where they'll need to go out and try to find ways to get that information. And uh, and yeah, they'll have to start investing into having a consistent solution or consistent resource to be able to get information that's important to them to be able to launch or go after their venture. Now, you just mentioned going on Google and search. Is that considered collecting data? 
Um, yeah, I think we can all agree it is. I mean, if you're going on manual Google searches, right, and you're trying to get information about really anything, I mean, that's I mean, that's pretty much every, what everyone's doing every day. So you're collecting information about a topic, a person, a company, and all that. I mean, manually, that's that's what people do, and that certainly is part of that. So the data that searching for, how do you know that it's good data? How do you know it's not just total made up by someone that's sleeping on someone's couch that's just typing stuff away? How do you know it's actually quality? That's a, that, I think that's a, actually a very awesome and, and really good question because that's the other part, I think, of the interesting thing in my ob- observation, especially, let's say, of, of corporate America. There's a lot of assumptions we make about information and where we get information. One of the biggest uh, variables or dynamics of, I think, thinking about accurate data or what's what's good data is knowing where the information came from. And that's a big gap, I think, sometimes where we think about the sources we go to every day, right? It could be uh, Google, it could be LinkedIn, it could be something else. And we make assumptions about the information that's presented to us from looking at these sources. And we think it's correct. And we just make that assumption. Or we use maybe private databases to do our research, whether it's for our work or maybe for other types of uh, research we do. And we just believe that the information that's given to us is is supposedly correct. And a lot of times, again, in most cases, there isn't a true understanding of how did that data get generated? Where did this information come from? What are the sources behind it? What was the methodology used to get this information? So it's very few uh, the times that you'll see platforms or sources telling you, hey, this information has gotten then this means from this specific source, um, which is something that, uh, again, platforms like my company, right, basically do, where we can show you where all this information is coming from, from various sources. So I think that that's, a, that's one dynamic that's very important when we think about accurate or good data. And again, that goes back to the user. How do they choose to use the information? How do they want to be able to use the information that that's going to ultimately impact where, how they want to measure accuracy for whatever they're looking at? Wait, Juan, question for you. I mean, if if someone came to me and they said, hey, I can get you this amazing data set that can change your business, what questions should I be asking them to make sure that this data set can actually do that or this data set is real or this person is legit? Like what mm. questions should I be asking to figure out to move forward or not? Yeah, I think you need to ask uh, some basic questions like, okay, well, how does this information get received? How did you get it? Uh, what was the recency of the information? When was the last time it was updated or maybe refreshed? When was the last time that uh, this information had maybe additional sources added upon it, right? Like, let's say you're researching something like a specific company. There might be many, many, many different sources of information that would give you information about this company. So. Have there been other sources added upon that maybe or methods of getting information that have been added to to getting information about this entity or topic you're researching? I think another thing you would definitely want to think about is what is kind of the completeness of all the information you're getting that kind of relates again to your use case? Because again, it goes again back to your use case, right? Of what you're trying to do with the information you're getting. Are you trying to make a personal decision? Are you trying to make a business decision? Are you trying to empower a business process? So you need to kind of think about what is the what is a complete data set that then will be able to enable you for that case where you can then determine that you're not going to be missing information from that provider or that resource you're going after. Those are things that certainly you have to start with. But yeah, nowadays, I mean, again, there are many different types of 
providers, brokers, sources, all this kind of stuff. So you you definitely want to go out and also look at reviews, see who's using what tools. Is this a reputable resource? Certainly, again, the internet is a great source for that information to verify uh, what are all people saying about this tool or resource I'm about to use or explore. Those are definitely things you definitely have to think about when you're exploring that. You mentioned the use case and what's the data is going to be used. How defined should that use case be when you're talking to data scientists or these people collecting this this information? Can it be pretty broad of just, hey, I just want to know what the market is? Or, I mean, to get the most out of it, how niched down should one be? Yeah, I think it's really, the, nowadays, there's many different resources and, and uh, providers and, and such that are focused on specific niches, right? Or specific industries, specific kinds of data providers. Um, there's marketplaces online too that uh, help people find uh, the right information for any given type of thing they're researching or something. So I think that uh, the user really should try to have an idea of what they're trying to accomplish first. Do I have a use case where I need some information? Because they'll, they'll get overwhelmed very quickly, right? I think that there there are different ways that they can go get information out in the market today. And, and a lot of times they won't they won't prepare the right questions because they're not used to understanding how to get information. So they may not, many a time, you know, people will, will think that they know what they're trying to get, but they don't really. And it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because then it's knowing how to, how to acquire what information you need. It's very important, right? And, and it's part of that is basically knowing what's your case. Um, knowing exactly what you think you really need. So that way you can talk to the right providers, the right resources that then can help you. There's definitely kind of a mix between being prepared to know what you're trying to go and get, as well as uh, talking to the right ones from there, the right providers for that information that then hopefully will steer you in the right direction. Because that's the other part of it. Like there needs to be a someone that you work with that you feel you can trust. You feel that they can actually be more of an advisor than let's say just like a broker or someone just trying to you know commercially give you something. Who at the company should be making decisions based on the data and how early? I mean, could a company just two employees or two founders really be analyzing the data? When should they, how do I say this? When should that start to become a key part of all decision processes? Or Mm. does it ever get to that point? Mm, That's a great question. I think it's a hotly looked at, uh, you, you could say potentially debated topic, I think right now uh, about what you're asking because i think personally if you were to ask me like how data should be treated within corporations mid-market companies etc or even mom mom and pop uh, startups i think the data needs to be part of every single part of the company every 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 single decision right it needs to be data driven and people say that term a lot data driven but a lot of times many companies aren't data driven right because either all their information is not really treated uh in a way where they maintain it they update it they they um they add upon it and those are important key traits for any successful organization. I think one of the trends I've seen, at least, let's say, uh, if you look at like the consulting world, where uh, big firms are kind of consulting many different types of companies and corporations, one of the big trends is how do you centralize your information? How do you make sure that every corner of your company is is enabling or uh, freeing the data to be really connected? How do you how do you centralize knowledge within an organization? It's really an important thing, and and it's it's supposed to involve everyone from the CEO down to you know anybody else in the company. 
because again, like most of the time, data is treated in, they're put in silos in, in different parts of a company that don't talk to each other, that don't connect with each other, or data goes stale. And the maintenance, the, the cost of refreshing and updating and, and getting new data is tremendous. And so I think that treating your data with better care, centralizing data better across all angles of a company it's 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 critical for any business to be successful. So in even if you're a one or two person startup, it's very important to have a data strategy in that sense. What is going to be the data strategy for our company as we grow it? Today we're a few people, but tomorrow we'll be 100 people or more. So how how are you going to centralize your knowledge? How are you going to manage your data? Those are very important things since day one for any business. If you were to meet a company that haven't used data, they're still a good sized company. Mm. And now they want to start implementing it. What's the process to become a data-driven company? I think, again, it's it's really about knowing, yeah, again, who is specifically going to be managing the data, right? Who's going to be overseeing data? What are you using data for? I think is also important to understand. But when you think about more data-dedicated roles, because that's the thing. Most people think the only people that are working with data are people who have data in the title of their job. <laughs> and, and that's not true. We all work in different angles of the company. It doesn't mean necessarily that we're all data scientists, but hey, you use data. So so I think that it's it's really about uh, that that understanding. But yeah, but especially when you're setting up like a data team inside a company, let's say a data science team, data analytics, all these things, you definitely have to think about what is going to be the strategy to, to evaluate people in this space and how you're going to structure the right hierarchy for your company. Sometimes these teams are very much uh, kind of like hub and spoke. Uh, other times it's like there's a member from that realm of, of work that joins a business unit and they're just kind of like the supporter of that business unit. There's many models for, for data teams inside companies. And then it's about knowing, yeah, like what skills do you need to have? by by partners I work with, right? Oh, what does my team need to know? What kinds of skills does my team need to have to be able to leverage this thing or this set of data or whatever? And that's a very common area where there's a lack of education. What uh, what skills, what requirements should I have of my team to be able to have them successfully be doing the work I need them to do with the data that I that I feel or know I need to have? Those are things that I think that, yeah, companies need to ask themselves um, when they're when are you evaluating that. So have you ever seen a company get completely disrupted because maybe their competitor had a better data set than them or that decisions were being made on an outdated data set? Absolutely. You know, that there's so many examples um, we could talk about. I think both in the internal level, like share as many of those examples as you'd like. <laughs> I'll, 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 yeah. I, I, I mean, I think just to average it out, right? I think that I see it as two two buckets. One is the, the basic example of like, okay, a bunch of executives at a company knowing what's going on with their company or knowing what's going on with their customers. That's, that's something where critically, it's critical to have the right information at the right time to know about things happening. Where if company A doesn't have that information and company B does, don't be surprised if company A is going out of business soon. And then on the flip side, if you think about companies that are building products and they need data-driven features or data-driven aspects of their product to work in a certain way, there is a big difference between being able to enable those kinds of features that may require external data versus uh, versus not having a solution or trying to go after maybe building your own solution, but then realizing that there's a higher cost to do that than you think. Case in point, there's many companies that, that uh, work with my company where they have a decision usually of do I build something or do I buy something? 
And a lot of times they like to think that they can opt in for just build. And they think that now they're going to become AI experts or data experts or web data experts. And they realize, you know, going into that effort that either A, it costs way more than they expected in terms of financial and time resources, or B, this was not the business they're in. Their business is to use the data, not to be experts at getting it. So they realize, oh, we're spending more time trying to build the solution to our problem than build the solution for the problem of our actual customer. And so I think that that's, that's what I tend to see, where it's like many, most of the cases, they fall into those kinds of buckets, uh, where, where not having the right information uh, really can be a cost at a high level. Okay, so you mentioned AI in, in data. How's that intersection? Can you go into artificial intelligence and how it's being used, implementation, all that with big data. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, defining phrases and stuff is is important, right? I think that if you start off, right, big data, usually it's referring to internal data that companies have that they are trying to analyze internally, that they're maybe generating themselves. And I think that, yes, AI, there are AI solutions out there that are providing them solutions. How do you analyze your internal documents? How do you create an internal knowledge graph? How do you yeah, make automated analysis of information to make decisions. There's a lot of things and a lot of solutions uh, appearing on the market for that kind of stuff. I think that the world of AI that I come from, right, again, is coming from the external side where one of the biggest solutions we're bringing uh, to market is really about how do you use AI to do something and run a process that empowers human and enables humans to do more. Because today, the biggest problem I see with the work that I do is that most research, most data collection is done manually. And it's done manually, especially when we talk about the external web, the public web. The internet of today is made up of billions and billions of web pages. And more often than not, most research is still being done very manually to get information from the vastness of the web. So how do you save time? How do you uh, lessen the cost of collecting information when it's dependent on a very traditional means to do so. And that's where the world of AI really is entered, because then AI can scalably uh, process and read data from the public web using things like NLP, computer vision, et cetera, and essentially read the web like a human would, right? The way, the same way you can look at your cell phone or your laptop, an article from New York Times or product from Amazon.com or discussion forum on Reddit. The same way that you can look at any of those pages and know what it is, right? This is a discussion forum. This is a, a news article. This is a product. The same way that you can do that, AI can do it as well. And therefore, AI being able to read data automatically, understanding it automatically from these public web pages, and then be able to aggregate information automatically, that adds a huge value add to companies who leverage that kind of technology because it saves time and being able to get information from the public web. It lessens the proneness to error of information capture because, you know, you think about humans collecting information, there's a huge gap of human error that can go into misinputted information. And then that capability, that technology also enables humans to do more work in areas that are not repetitive, that are not work that AI could do, right? They could do more meaningful things. So those are those are some areas where AI becomes a value add, especially in the world of data, where information capture, information uh, knowledge scalability really can be enhanced, which saves time, again, all the different costs associated with it. So when does data cross that line and it's now too intrusive 
And then also with that, what countries or areas right now are leading the, are ahead of everyone in this good data? Mm, mm, that's a good question. Well, I mean, in, I think in terms of intrusive, I think it's a positive thing, frankly, to see things like, you know, GDPR, CCPA, all these different other um, kind of regulatory. Uh, uh, Wait, Juan, you got you got to tell us for our audience, what is uh, what do those acronyms mean? Yeah. So uh, GDPR basically is the uh, G- general data protection regulation. Um, and so it's like a law that kind of went into effect in the EU on data protection. And so that's been a that's been an area that um, certainly a lot of individuals and companies have been impacted by because of the impacts of information privacy, uh, what you can or cannot be can not be used of your personal information. So that's that's been a major uh, impact on on the business world, especially. So those are, yeah, just regulations around what information can be captured. And, you know, big companies have been already slapped with those things for those things, right? Like Google, Facebook, like, okay, are you respecting privacy laws now as part of GDPR in Europe? Those are things that that are coming into play now more. And I think that, that again, in general, I think that's good because if uh, regardless of whether you agree with those things or not, I think at least it gets everyone talking about data, right? It gets everyone thinking about, oh, what is my information? Like my LinkedIn profile, do I own it? Is it my information, my Facebook profile, or all these other things? And that's the thing. I think that it's it's pretty much about thinking about how those those things that we do day to day, what kind of information they generate, right? Our activities, whether we're going to work, whether we're posting a picture on Facebook, whether we're um, we're changing our job on LinkedIn, right? All these things, little things that we think are are just insignificant and natural. How does that impact when it comes down to the data conversation about what what's uh, being used, what's being accessed? So I think that those things at least are starting a conversation, right, for people to educate themselves and know what they can do. Because I think that the pro side of that is that then companies can become more forward thinking on how they can actually use all this public information that's out there in positive ways and ways that make their businesses better in ways that can enable them to uh, create things that serve their customers or that get better insights, right, that tell you more of a story. There's pros and, and many positives to being able to access and utilize data and, and positive ways. And, and in terms of your the latter part of your earlier question, I think that companies out there that are doing it well, right, thinking about, okay, like, you know, data and how it's used. I think that countries and regions and stuff, I it's harder to tell. Like, I think that, you know, obviously the, the U.S. Um, is, is going to have, you know, uh, the forefront of, you know, technology adoption technology adoption with AI and data, you know, it's, it's hard to tell maybe across the rest of the world, obviously it's, it's, it's advanced, but, uh, but yeah, I think that really industries, you could say in a better sense, certain industries have a better embrace today of data than others. And so I would definitely think of it in that, in those terms, right? Maybe industries and markets that are, that are advancing themselves at the right pace to, to learn more about what they can do with AI, with data and other newer technologies. When, I'm not sure if you watch the news and that and, and see things online. Do you ever come across stories or statistics or that where you go, I think the data is wrong on this? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I certainly have. I think that, you know, sometimes you you get uh, you get a little used to trying to dig under the hood and seeing, OK, what information do you use on this? Like a research report? Yeah, like a, a show or something. And uh, yeah, it's very common. And, and, you know, I think that more often than not, you realize, oh, they use something that that would they they missed using something that they could have used uh, to gather better information for this particular insight or research that they did. Right. That's, I think, very common. And what excites you about 
data in the next and the opportunities and and that in the next five years? Oh, good question. I think that we're still at the cusp of of really people being educated about what they can do, right? Not, and not just individuals, but also businesses, right? Companies, right? Just having the right understanding of how to use data where they can leverage it. I think it's interesting because over the next five to 10 years, in my opinion, you're going to start to see better solutions, more intelligent solutions to a lot of problems that we're trying to handle or or solutions out there that can make us more efficient. I think I, I believe in human in the loop when, when we talk about AI, um, where AI and solutions out there should enable humans to become better at what they do, not trying to replace us, but rather make us better. That's that's my belief that, that that's the, the promise of what AI can deliver. I think that it's going to be definitely more of an embrace of how does AI impact our workplace? We obviously already have Siri and Alexa and all these things, but they're only going to become better when they have in themselves, right? Better data underlying their, their platforms. So that's going to be, I think, the evolution where people are going to embrace more AI. Everyone keeps talking about metaverse and, and other types of technologies coming up. I think it's all going to be synchronized together where AI and data, the better embrace, the better awareness, the better education the teams and companies have about data and what they can do with it will only make them better. Um, so I'm very excited to see what happens over the next five to 10 years. And Juan, tell our audience kind of what you're working on right now. What's the best way to get in touch with you? All that jazz. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I work with DefBot. We're an AI company, AI research company uh, based out of Menlo Park. Um, basically, we aggregate data and read data from the public web. We basically have the world's largest knowledge graph database of information on companies, people, and news. And uh, we touch all different types of data sets from all over the public web. So uh, I work with various types of industries, partners that are implementing our solutions for various types of data sets. If you're ever interested in learning more about DefBot, you can obviously visit us at DefBot. Com. You can always reach out to me on LinkedIn, Juan Escobar, uh, in case you ever want to learn more about AI and data as well. Fantastic. And for our audience, when I'm not the host of this podcast, I'm a mid-market investment banker focused on mergers, acquisition, help companies raise growth capital and secondaries. So if any of our listeners, if you have a company and you're looking to do that exit or listening to that growth capital, we focus on transactions between 10 and 300 million. Come connect with me. Everyone here knows how to do it. Go to the SiliconValleyPodcast.com or check me out on LinkedIn at Sean Flynn's Investment Banker. With that, Juan, I got to thank you for your time today on the Silicon Valley Podcast. I want to thank Yvonne one more time and everyone at ACG. Hopefully everyone's going to like and share this episode. I know they will. But Juan, once again, thank you for your time today on this week's episode of the Silicon Valley Podcast. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for listening to the Silicon Valley Podcast. To access our resources, visit us at thesiliconvalleypodcast.com and follow our host on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Sean Flynn SV. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional.